Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I share my recent appearance on the Ronin Leadership Podcast, where we talk about leadership in the shifting nature of work. in a way that's collaborative in style, um, that brings the best out of their people. Well, good morning and welcome to uh, another edition of the Ronin Leadership Podcast. Uh, It's a beautiful Monday morning here in Las Vegas. I hope you all had a a wonderful weekend. Um, I've got, uh, I have a I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, session uh, this time. Uh, we have a, a gentleman who I've just met actually literally a couple minutes ago, but uh, his name is Professor Jonathan uh, Westover, and he is a professor at the Utah Valley University, uh, but his specialty is, is on organizational leadership, and he's a best-selling author, and he's really been involved in the leadership uh, arena in terms of teaching, um, advising, um, and setting up curriculum, and most importantly, really looking at how do you bring up the next generation of, of leaders, uh, which I think is very important. Uh, folks like me with, with, with gray hair, we're, uh, we've, we've done our bit, and hopefully we continue to fight the good fight for leadership, but uh, uh, we need that next generation of leaders. So, uh, Jonathan, thank you for being on our podcast and, and welcome. And uh, I really appreciate you taking your time to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you today. So I guess to get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background so the, our audience knows who you are, you know, and how you got into uh, the position that you're in now. Yeah, so I consider myself a scholar practitioner. I am a, a full professor in the organizational leadership department at Utah Valley University. I'm chair of that department as well. Uh, And I teach organizational development and change management, leadership, HR, um, OB, ethics types of courses. Uh, And I've been at UVU now for 13 plus years and Mm -hmm. it it has been a blast. So in addition to, you know, the traditional professorial work that I do, I teach courses, I do a lot of academic research um, and serve on a lot of boards and, you know, uh, academic uh, organizations and such. Uh, I also do consulting work uh, with my firm, Human Capital Innovations, uh, which I started back in 2007. Uh, And, you know, part of the reason for that is I really have a strong belief in the need, the necessity really for for us to not just get stuck in our ivory towers of academia, you know, where we do good, important research and we, we extend 
our scientific knowledge around these really complicated people issues, right? That's, that's super important. I'm a big believer in it. And I do a lot of work in that space, but I need to be able to communicate those findings, that research uh, to leaders and uh, those who, who uh, lead organizations uh, who manage people, because ultimately that's where it's going to have the greatest impact. So uh, you know, I made a conscious choice. I've, I've been doing the consulting work for a long time on the side, uh, but I made a conscious choice several years ago that I was going to put extra time and focus on this practitioner-oriented um, translation of the scientific research that I do, that other people do, uh, in order to to help people managers, organizational leaders uh, across the world to be more effective, have better impact on their teams. And that was really the genesis, the origins of, of um, some of the books that I put out in the last year. Um, I've, I've you know published, I don't know, upwards of 100 or so academic articles. I've published, I don't know, probably around 15 uh, academic books and edited works. Um, but uh, it's almost a year ago exactly that I, I published my first practitioner-focused, practitioner-oriented book, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. And then over the summer, I, I published my second book, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership. Again, both of these take the research, but they put it into a really accessible format, uh, and it's practitioner-oriented. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been a fun ride and having the opportunity to share some of my insights throughout my career, throughout my consulting work, throughout all the research that I've done um, to an audience that's going to be able to use it. So that's my hope. I want to have uh, work with impact and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's amazing. And it's also a very important uh, point you make there about the, the actual practitioner. And, and so as you've, you know, obviously the academia, you know, kind of uh, is there, but as you've gone into the consulting work and you've gone into different companies, are you seeing any commonalities in terms of, um, you know, what, what are the things that need fixing or what are the things that you're, you're seeing in different enterprises, big, small, medium, whatever, that are maybe commonalities with, within the leadership realm that you think uh, probably needs to be fixed or, you know, what are the disconnects? Yeah, I mean, there are so many commonalities, um, and and honestly, nothing I present in my books is like super new. Um, sure, there, sure. we, we much of what we know about effective leadership we've known for a long time. The question is, can we do it effectively? Can we do it consistently in a, in a sustainable way? Uh, and so that's something I I try to focus on as I as I convey concepts is that we need to take a, a holistic people. Uh, centric, holistic systems approach to managing teams, leading organizations, and being effective. And that requires a sustainability mentality that requires a long-term orientation. And if I'm only focused on, you know, the putting out the fires here and now, if I'm only focused on making payroll this, this pay period, if I'm only focused on quarterly earnings reports, um, all of those are important. All of those are necessary. I have to, of course, you know, do my job and make sure we're, we're taking care of our people and getting products and services out. Uh, but if I'm, if that's all I'm focused on, then I'm not going to be an effective leader. And, and I'm, I'm really undercutting both my ability to be effective, but I'm undercutting my own organization's ability to continue to add value to the market. 
and and what will inevitably happen when you have organizations that are uh, predominantly run by leaders that have that short-term orientation is they make sacrifices, unnecessary um, sacrifices, and they cut corners in ways that undermine their ability with the consumer, with their people, and ultimately mm. their short-term gains um, are to the sacrifice and the detriment of their long-term sustainability. So that's something I speak to constantly. And there are so many other leadership competencies and capabilities that are kind of embedded within sure. that kind of big picture approach, the holistic approach, the, the, uh, the, the systems approach and the sustainability kind of a mindset. Um, but I, I would say that's perhaps one of the, the most important things, um, because, Ultimately, most leaders in organizations are well-intentioned. Most leaders in organizations want to do well. They want to perform well. They want their teams to perform well. They don't know how, and they spend the vast majority of their time just running around like chickens with their heads cut off, just putting out fires rather than being purposeful, strategic, uh, and, and uh, preparing for future success. Yeah, I think you're right. hundred uh... percent. You mentioned mindset. It's been my experience that you're right, and I haven't met any any people in leadership positions for the most part that have uh, you know nefarious uh, reasons for being there, right? But part of what I've found out, uh, I've experienced. I don't maybe you can opine on this. Is that number one, uh, they don't necessarily have the mindset for what leadership means. Leadership means taking care of your team first. You come second, right? I mean, that's that's kind of a mindset that you have to have, um, and everything else kind of flows after that. The other thing is that there, I found out there are some folks that get into leadership positions because they're subject matter experts. They're the best engineer, or they're the best this, best that. Say, so, hey, let's go get Joe or Jane and put them in this position. They may not want to be a, a leader, or they may think that they, as as you described it, leadership is getting the job done, which is a big part of it, but it's not the most important part of it. So. I think the mindset piece is, is spot on. Um, yeah, I, I do. And I, I agree. There's what I discuss in, in uh, my books and many of the articles I write for Forbes or different HR.com magazines or some of the other outlets I've written for. A lot of the times it comes down to various types of mindsets, like a futures, a futures thinking mindset or mm-hmm. a design thinking mindset or a systems thinking mindset or a... Uh, 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 growth mindset, an abundance mindset, right? Like these are the types of things we have to train ourselves to slow down, take a step back and, and approach the world in a way that will allow us to have long-term sustainable success. And if we're just being reactionary of, you know, there's only so much we can do being reactionary, even the most productive, the, the smartest among us, there's only so much you can do if you're just constantly reacting to the environment around you. Now, of course, we, we all have to be reactive. We all have to be able to pivot. We all have to be able to uh, respond to external environments and be able to uh, make adjustments. Of course we do. But if that's all we're doing, then we're allowing others to dictate what we do rather than dictating our own uh, possible futures. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a message. I'm glad that you're out there, uh, you know, presenting this to, to different enterprises. One of the things I remember at, at Microsoft is it depends on what part of the, what vertical you are in, right? So if you're in one particular organization and they really care about uh, leadership development, you know, they'll go ahead and, and 
do some some uh, some work in that area. Other areas not. So it wasn't a holistic kind of enterprise wide. This is how we're going to tackle leadership development. You know, it's very siloed, and so it, you had a very disjointed uh, kind of a, a approach. So I think I think you're right. Um, I I haven't seen a lot of companies that kind of approach it that way. I hope I hope you're seeing more companies that kind of are accepting that instead of the flavor of the year. Because there was always like, okay, we're going to do this leadership thing this year because of this particular issue. The next year we do it for this particular issue, but there's nothing kind of tying all that together holistically in a strategic way. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. So, you know, I think, as I think about the competencies and capabilities needed in the future of work, as I, as I consider the rapid um, technological adjustments that we're undergoing, you know, disruptive transformations through technology, uh, as we look at issues like the pandemic and how that has accelerated us into a new world of work. Uh, it's changed the expectations that employees have for their employers uh, and, and how they want to be led, how they expect to be led and how they expect, you know, what they expect the, the experience of work to be like in the first place. Um, so much of that was already shifting mm -hmm. uh, over the last decade or so. And because of the pandemic, it's just you know, skyrocketed further in that direction. And I don't see us going back. Uh, you know, we might have a little bit of pendulum swing, but we're not, we're not going back to the way it was before. And, and the clear trajectory was already in the direction that we've seen ourselves go in the last two years. So, so we, we need just different competencies in, in leadership positions than we did, you know, a generation ago. Um, you know, I think of, of, the the old psychological contract in the workplace between employer and employee uh, that essentially doesn't even exist anymore um you know yeah. a couple generations ago you, you you get out of school you go work for a company they provide you with the job and the benefits and the retirement um they give you a career pathway and most people spent the vast majority of their time their career at that organization working their way up um, that just doesn't exist. I mean, it really hasn't existed for a long time, but in, in recent years in particular, um, it, it goes both ways. Employers don't 
really provide that kind of a, a long-term career atmosphere for most employees. And most employees, frankly, don't want to stay with the same organization. <laughs> um, and so that, that kind yeah. of uh, unspoken psychological agreement between employer and employee has shifted dramatically. Uh, employees now, they want more flexibility. Uh, and in fact, younger millennial and Gen Z workers, many of them simply, they just want to be their own boss. They, they want to be digital nomads. They want to, um, you know, they, they're joining these, these various platforms to be able to connect with the gig economy and rent out their talent uh, to, to organizations rather than taking a traditional, uh, you know, Monday through Friday, eight to five mm -hmm. kind of a position. Uh, we're seeing that just more and more and more. And so what does that mean when I'm a leader now uh, renting talent from across the globe rather than having all the, all the talent in-house? What does that mean when I have a distributed workforce where even my full-time employees aren't in the office and we're all scattered all over the place and we're trying to work effectively together and collaborate and innovate? What does it mean when I'm trying to you know, have a healthy dynamic culture um, within my organization or within my team and we aren't even together in person? Uh, you know, these are all the types of questions that leaders are asking themselves and we have to be able to respond to uh, in an increasingly hyper-competitive, uh, uncertain, and incredibly messy uh, global um, uh, economy and labor market, right? Like this, this is the, the reality that right. we're in and it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. So we need, we need leaders that are prepared uh, to confront the complexities, the messiness, the, the nuances and the uncertainty and leaders that are prepared uh, to to not to, to lead in a way that's collaborative in style um, that brings the best out of their people that's developmental that where I as a leader I'm helping my people become their best possible selves fulfilling their potential and adding value to the team that's the type of leader we need uh, and frankly you know a generation ago or, or more that that wasn't the type of leader we had we had leaders um, who are more authoritarian autocratic, uh, control command yeah. um, style, and and that isn't going to work anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting to see the shift, right? And and you've got baby boomers like me that are still in positions of of leadership that are probably wrestling with this because you, you're right. You know, they they grew up under one style of leadership. They're seeing things shift around them. How fast can they pivot? How fast can they you know kind of adapt this new kind of work workplace environment uh, with the new demographics coming up so that's that's definitely something that uh, that, that needs to be uh, uh, addressed as you're looking at uh, you know the students that you teach and uh, and, and you see obviously a different demographic a different mindset different skill sets um, are you hopeful um, about the future in terms of leaders that will eventually step into the breach and take over? Uh, I, I am. I, I think much of the generational divide we see, um, you know, where we, we see a gap between leadership style, expectations of employees, and then younger workers and their style, their expectations for their leaders. Uh, there, there is a significant gap in many organizations. Um, and a large part of that gap, it, it's not just generational, certainly. Um, and, and I don't want to perpetuate this idea of, you know, 
baby boomers and uh, the and and people of that generation, you know, necessarily having a completely negative, antiquated approach to their leadership and and how they deal with younger employees. That that's not fair, and that's not sure. certainly not exclusively the case. Um, but there is a large disconnect uh, at times, be, in part just because of different lived experiences, right? Um, older employees, older leaders, they started their career in a very different context, in a very different environment. And, and what it took to be successful then is different than what it's going to be to be successful now. And we, what we see, what I see with my students and with younger workers is they have very high expectations for for leaders. They, they, they've gone to school. They understand the principles of effective leadership. They understand how organizations should be running. And then they get out there in the workforce and they realize that most leaders don't know what the crap they're doing. Most organizations are, are a pile of dysfunction and they're not willing to put up with garbage leadership. They're not willing to put up with a, a bad work environment. And that's part of why we're seeing this great resignation is people just saying, no, I'm not putting up with it. So um, huh. I, I think part of it is the younger generation, they, they have a clear understanding of what it's going to take to be effective. Um, now, will they be effective just because they understand what it takes? Not necessarily. Obviously they have to be able to translate that into practice. Sure. Um, but, but I'm, I'm very hopeful that I think, I think uh, the younger generation is aware of what it's going to take. Uh, I, I believe they're they're um, interested in stepping into to the opportunity, and and I think the the all the mindsets that I was talking about earlier, um, they're, they're often mindsets that are coming more and more naturally to younger workers, younger leaders, younger students. Um, so for all those reasons, it's not going to be an easy transition, certainly, but I, I am hopeful and I'm a believer that, um, that we have, uh, we'll have a good handoff of the baton from, yeah. from older generations of leaders to the younger generations of leaders that will continue to happen. And I think, I think we're going to uh, be in for a fun ride. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I, I agree hundred percent. And, um, I, I really appreciate your your thoughts on this. I think it's very insightful to our audience just to to think about these things, like the Great Resignation, and what what are the what's causing all this, and what what is the workplace going to look like now and into the future? Um, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, how, how do they get a hold of you? If they need your services, they want to need some consultation. Yeah, uh, you can look me up on LinkedIn, Jonathan H Westover. I pop right up. Um, and my firm is human capital innovation. So if you just do a, a Google search, it'll pop right up. Uh, the URL is actually innovativehumancapital.com. Uh, check out my books, check out my podcast, the human capital innovations podcast. We have, um, you know, about 85,000 listeners across 140 plus countries. And, uh, it's been a, a lot of fun, mostly interviewing industry professionals, um, executives, thought leaders, uh, that, that sort, that's most of what the episodes are and, uh, would encourage you to check those out and, and check out, uh, human capital innovations website for the services we offer. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of free resources that are there in terms of research reports, um, briefs, one sheets, things that are very practitioner oriented and really focus on 
giving you tips on what you can start doing now today to be more effective. Excellent. I appreciate that. Uh, so for those of you uh, listening, uh, if you need uh, uh, Professor uh, Westover's uh, services, uh, please avail yourself uh, of his services. And uh, thank you for your insights. Thank you for taking the time to be on, on our podcast. Uh, those of you who are listening to the podcast, please tell your friends about it. Hit the subscribe button and uh, certainly we'll give you some feedback. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to, to do this for us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.